and welcome to another episode of To Be Honest, a show with a clown, a nerd, a duck. And well, the degenerate isn't here today because he's f***ing useless, but we have okay, our second <laughs> guest, our second special guest, Coffeezilla. What's up? Woo! Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Can we call you by your first name? Do you have a first name or do we have to refer to you as Coffeezilla for the duration of this podcast? No, I know some people don't like calling me a beverage. Uh, Steven's fine. That's Steven. Okay. Coffee it is. <laughs> so Steven here just released a 30 minute, well, it was 25 minutes or something, epic on Ryan Pig, who some of us actually know. I've met him twice. Yeah, I've met him quite a few times. Have you ever met him in person, Steven? No, I have. Although I know a lot, so many of the creators I talked to um, had had in. All in, the anonymous like, ones. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Like almost nobody's <laughs> in the video, but I. <laughs> Almost anybody who's in anybody in the entertainment space I talked to and yeah, everyone had had some kind of dealing with him, some friend who had dealt with them, something. The guy was prolific. He's one of the most prolific like managers of the um, yeah, behind 2020, the scene, anyway. 2021. He was like hugely impactful uh, for right and wrong reasons. Well, the only experience I really had with him, well, I've got two experiences. My first was he bought me like a Japanese dinner. Well, there was other people there, right? It wasn't just like a private one-on-one. -one no, there were other dinner. people there. Otherwise, yeah, that probably would have been weird. But no, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising according to uh, Steven's video, but there were other people there. So the other was when I was in a car with him and I told a kind of racy joke. It was a bit of a... um edgy joke and he kind of gave me a look like that's inappropriate you shouldn't be bloody doing that as like with all this stuff that's come out now i'm like well fuck this guy what was he on about he thought that was inappropriate and he's been stealing and siphoning funds and abusing <laughs> abusing young twink looking lads that's always how it is what i don't understand is with the amount of people who have had some kind of you know experience with them business wise or other um I'm shocked that it was like the business people who decided to stay quiet because I'm like, you guys know this guy doesn't have a ton of money anymore and you have money and you have fame. Why are you scared? Why are you scared? I, I don't know. And then Is it was like the creators the people or was this the people he worked with, like the behind the scenes guys or um, both? <laughs> no, I was more talking about like a lot of the like famous people who are sort of involved yeah. were all kind of... um worry and i i don't like to i'm not trying to shame anybody because i get it there's all sorts of individual circumstances but i just thought it was interesting that those were the people who were the most afraid and then a lot of the people who had been you know sexually assaulted came out publicly maybe it's a bit of playing both sides where on one hand they they're an aggrieved party and they were ripped off but they also want to maintain their relationship with him so that if he decides to make it right, like he'll pay them back. There's a lot. There's a lot of that where, you know, I, I've gotten into things where, you know, they're, they're Ponzi schemes. There's literally no money left. Like there's absolutely, this is kind of an example of that. But I, but I've had ones where we, everyone has known there's no money left, but there's people still holding on to hope that like, if this guy has $1 left, if I'm just nice <laughs> to him, it's, it's like mine. a Stockholm syndrome. Dog. Yeah. They'll give it to me. They'll be nice to me because I wasn't mean to them or whatever. Um, yeah. actually in practice, it's the opposite. Their biggest pain point is the people who are complaining. So if they're going to pay anybody, it's not the people who are quiet. They're going to pay the people who are loud about it, which is a funny squeaky wheel thing, gets the oil. Totally. I heard there was a lot of, um, well, through the grapevine, a lot of it was also because of scared of being sued by him. 
Yeah. At least some of the people I've talked to, that's why they totally. wanted to remain anonymous. That's why a lot of people haven't even said a single thing about it that were really involved is because they are like, I think they're like trying to sort it out all business wise before they come forward, you know, to make sure they won't get sued because <laughs> the guy does need money. So, you know, you might go, he might go that way. Right. But there is no, there's, there's going to be no final sorting it out business wise because there's yeah. just not, what is there to sort out? I mean, there's no. The guy doesn't have the money to pay people back. I was thinking more like contracts and stuff, maybe. I'm not too sure. But how I do you sort that. that out? How do you sort that out? What does that look like? Would the, he finally signs the thing that says you can talk about me? It's easy for me to say like, oh, people should just come forward, whatever. It's always a risk. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just grateful to the people who did come forward. But, um, but I think sometimes like creators are overly concerned. Like they'll be in the right, but they'll still be worried about a lawsuit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why? Yeah. You're in the right about this. You actually are, you have the truth on your side. What are you so worried about? Um, what, an Australian's going to sue you and you're in the UK or you're in the US? Like, how's that even going to work? And then he's got no yeah, money anyways. True. Like, how's that going to work? Um, so on this particular one, like, I think he cast a big shadow, just like in terms of, he even now is perceived in both ways. <laughs> yeah, like he's perceived still as like this, this um, mega powerful figure who's gonna you know come from the shadows and grab you if you say a cross word about him. But it's like actually that was yeah. probably true in 2021 when he was making like you know 40 million dollars in a year or something like that. Yeah, like like yeah. yeah. Then then he is powerful. But now I I don't really know how much. How much he has access to that kind of money anymore but what is what are they basing this on has he sued anyone else in the past before that he would do this again no i think some people are good at like casting a um he does environment have this of fear powerful aura yeah like i don't know i remember when i went to dinner with him and quite a few others just like he like commanded the attention without trying sort of thing if that makes sense he just kind of had that yeah, there's some people who are just like that. I was just saying that I thought it was completely unjustified because I didn't get that impression at all. If he hasn't done anything like this in the past, then there's no reason to expect him doing something like this in the in the future. Besides which, if he doesn't genuinely have any money currently, how is he going to form a lawsuit against someone? There's a paradox there, right? So I think it's completely unjustified. And I met him in person. I didn't get that impression from him at all that he was a kind of intimidating guy. He was someone that was spending money he didn't have. He had a fucking... Private chef, he had a pick-a-mix bar. Imagine a bar, but it's all like candy. It's all sweets. He had a fucking sweet shop in his own he had house. this giant dinosaur statue that was worth like 30 grand. <laughs> that's so, yeah, that's preposterous. I couldn't help but think of, of MCNs uh, when I was listening to the business setup and how he screwed this up. It's like, this is a business that is set up to print money. And you you almost can't fuck it up. And he managed to fuck it up logistically. He was logistically. making so much money, but like he just wanted a little extra off the top. And spent so much money impressing the potential, like his top 1%, 3% of clients that he, you know, wasn't able to do merch fulfillment on the bottom, bottom yeah. like rest of people. And then in the end, he couldn't do fulfillment on the top. It's like he was spending too much on on the uh, whining and dining people and bringing in more like keeping up appearances that he ended up not being able to do his job. Is, is yeah, that right? That, no, I think that's right. The the part that I'm always hesitant to really definitively say, because 
Does he really have no money? I assume that, right? Because he stopped paying out. But like, could have I a assume, lot in crypto. But yeah, right, right. If if I were one of these guys, I would tell everybody I had no money and then just have siphoned off, you know, a couple million dollars for myself. And then everyone just believes you're broke and you're not broke. Um, this is the funny Probably thing about did that. I did I did a video about a sort of similar situation with like a high minimum guarantees for like this podcast scam which got a lot of the comedian podcasters. It was called Cast Media. And one of the interesting things there, which has similarities to now, is their company was allegedly broke, but they hadn't declared bankruptcy. And my question was, why? Like, if you are broke, declare bankruptcy. But if you're not, you know, just the fact you haven't yet implies that you actually have assets you don't want to talk about. So when we talk about Revolt, I think it's important to say, as far as I know, Revolt hasn't declared actual bankruptcy. Um, they just haven't shipped a bunch of merch and haven't paid a bunch of people, but they haven't actually liquidated or done it. I think that's important to say because, um, you know, a lot of this is speculation based on both of these people's behavior. They stop paying out. They stop, they say that they don't have money, but then what is actually true. Do you know if it currently has any clients that it's dealing with at the moment? No, no. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 think ev I think everyone's done. Um, what I do know that's confusing is they were tangled up with, all their finances were tangled up with the misfits. So yeah. their finances are inextricably linked with the misfits, the YouTuber group, who also have not declared bankruptcy and have not liquidated. So it's like, how much of... I'm just shocked that nobody... Everybody that I talk to, like, they're upset that they lost money, but nobody wants to go try to chase it down. They're like, ah, it's probably gone. It's like, they is just want to, like, let it bygones be bygones. Is it just, actually yeah, gone? I, I don't know. I don't actually think it is. I, I think you could probably <laughs> find you, it. Um, I mean, how long ago did this get put on your lap? Like, because I've been hearing speakings of it probably over the last year. Did you get this quite early and it took ages to um, dive into and really get all the facts? Or was it like the last six months sort of thing? I got a hint of it early on. Somebody messaged me, but I kind of was working on something else. So I, I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And then somebody calls me out of the blue. It was a creator. They're like, hey, I want to put something across your desk, but I don't want to be on this. And so they start talking to me about yeah. it. And the first thing I do whenever I look up stuff is I will go to, um, I'll go back to my, like all my tips and I'll see if anyone else had put something in. And so that's when I realized, oh, people actually have been talking to me about this probably for about a year. Um, and I just hadn't picked up. So I'd actually started investigating around September, maybe September, early October. Okay. Yeah. That probably lines up. Did, um, cause obviously you can't disclose who you spoke to, but, um, did any of the people have like, have had done like crypto dealings with him? You know, like, did you dive into any of his crypto wallets that didn't make the video or anything like that? Or there were some crypt. There were if some you can even say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some crypto stuff. Um, I didn't dive super heavy into that because I had realized, okay, there's enough sort of money out here. And because this person won't go public, I can't show their wallet. You know what I mean? Oh, so, like, I right. can trace it, it would but how it's their... going to expose yeah, okay. the person who's supposed to be anonymous. So I can't even, yeah, I, got I can just hint that there were bad things that happened. So that really, I mean... I can't even tell you guys how much stuff was on the chopping floor because of, you know, I, I was trying to protect you know, a ton of <laughs> I've sources. probably heard a lot of it, to be honest. I'm sure but, you yeah. have. I mean, that's the funny thing. In our business, I, I think, like, everybody was sort of like, yep, I thought this was going to come, and it came. 
but like it was funny you know a lot of people they were like shocked by the allegations i think anyone who's been in the creator space knew or had heard of some form of this stuff for a while when it comes to the scale of the fulfillment problems he was having with the merch was it the merch drop in its entirety was not going out like he had gathered the money for he'd been prepaid for all of like the let's say t-shirts or sweatshirts or something in advance and then wasn't able to pay for the production of the t-shirts and pay for the shipping and so no one got anything or was it like was there just a high percentage of orders that had a problem because like about one percent of all merch has some sort of problem with it like they ship the wrong shirt you know like there's a there's an error uh, on the, uh, there's a misprint where it you know it's crooked or something and they they want uh, they want to exchange it or they need a new one issued was it was it much higher than just one percent was it like everybody who ordered didn't get anything no that's a great question i think it's hard to answer that because it was it seems like from the people i talked to that it was drop dependent it was like where they were in their life cycle that you had a better or worse experience there are some people mm -hmm. who had a great experience with revolt i mean that's like at, at the start of their thing the reason they got popular is they had cool designs and they had a decent quality that was better than like Teespring. So they crushed because of that. That's why everyone flocked to them. Um, but they didn't have any logistics experience. It was just kind of a, you know, a bunch of amateurs kind of starting this up. Uh, they grow way too fast. And the COVID bubble just made it blow up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's like you can maybe, if you're an amateur, you can handle like 400 drop, like 400 pieces, but all of a sudden you have 40,000. And that's a whole new experience. So I think when they like scaled things up, things started to go wrong and they started to have like um, logistics headaches. And then like they like like some of the drops were harder than others. Like they did this snow globe that was kind of a famous botch. Ah. Rambu mm -hmm. had this snow globe that they were shipping out, but they didn't realize that it had to be packed a certain way. So a bunch of the snow globes broke obviously because they're getting shipped around yeah. and it's glass so people just get these broken snow globes and then they <laughs> complain to revolt but revolt hasn't made enough to replace all these people's snow globes so then they're on wait list forever it took forever to even get them in the first place because the it was more of a logistical nightmare than they thought because they're just a mm -hmm. bunch of people in their bedrooms being like oh yeah how hard it is let's just make a snow globe that sounds <laughs> cool whatever yeah and they sell a bunch <laughs> they pre-order a bunch but they don't know how to make it so um so like that was a huge disaster. There was this pin collection that was a huge disaster. They shipped out a bunch of people like just the pillow that the pins were on and they didn't have any of the pins. And like, <laughs> so just, they're they just complete out anyway. They're complete amateurs. Yeah, they're complete. There was like these guys, like they just printed the wrong shirt. So like everyone who ordered like this, like hoodie got the wrong design and they never made that right. Um, but then as they got later in the like life cycle of the thing, where they really started running out of money because they had improperly spent it on like, you know, parties and all this stuff. Uh, they, then it's just more like, we don't have the money to print these shirts. Like we're printing, we're, we're doing the drop to pay the last guy, but we don't actually have money for this drop. So we're not God, even gonna do Do you have a guesstimate as to how much money is still owed? An insider or ex-insider at Revolt told me that in 2022, in around about November, they were told by Ryan, Ryan confessed to them that he owed $6.5 million that he didn't have. Holy shit. Holy Jeez. shit. Yeah, so, and he's not even, a, as he confessed in that Misfits podcast, he's not even a millionaire yet. He doesn't even have a million in the bank. And he was a millionaire for like a few days at a time, I imagine. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. The private they, jets and the Nobu the came, came in. His company was making millions, right? So, um, but yeah, he, no, he owes massive amounts. And so I don't know how much, like... 
I heard that to, hmm, how much can I say here? To repay like one of these like top creators, like like top 50 in the world creators, he had to get a giant loan from another creator. Yeah, I know this story. I know yeah, this yeah story. you know this story. So I'm trying, I'm trying to be vague, but like he had to get a loan from another creator. I talked to that guy. He's like, yeah, I'm hoping he'll pay me eventually. And I'm like, dude. You Did you never... get figures on that one? Uh, I can say if you don't want to. <laughs> I think it's like, I forgot. I think it was like 500,000 or something. Yeah, 800K, 800K. maybe 500,000 in US. 800K yeah. loan from yep. a guy. And that guy is never getting that back, by Never, the way. dude. I feel so bad for him. I'm just like, dude. Anyway, um, uh, it was especially sad to me because as I'm talking to him, I realize he kind of expects to eventually get paid back. And I'm like, are you serious? Get in line. Like you're the last guy to be owed something. You're never going to. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think after that point, they hadn't done a million, like a bunch more merch drops. So unless he was lying in that moment, they owe roundabouts. That number would be my guess. Um, I know some people will never come forward for that money, money um, for various reasons. Some people, were like faceless creators and Ryan had their docs. Some people yeah. were creators that Ryan had nudes of that will never come forward for that money. So, um, you know, I don't think we'll actually see people come forward for 6.5, but I think that's about the damages that they caused. Seeing those figures in your, like seeing the markup as well, not only the money earned, but like the markup they had on those shirts. I guess a lot of creators made so much money that Missing out on some of that is just like a drop in, you know, a drop in the pond for them that they just like, yeah, hey, I'll just let it slide. <laughs> I have never known wealthy people to just give up money like that unless <laughs> another he, person has, has something against them. As Stephen just yeah. said, if they have this kind of blackmail against them, they have the nudes. If he has all that information, then I can see why they are not pursuing the money that Ryan Pig owes them. It's almost like the power was in the other direction, though, because if he'd been inappropriate with you and uh, had been, you know, had gross text messages where he was soliciting nudes, then you have blackmail on him in a way. You know, like he has the picture, but you would have been you could have been the first to come out and be like, hey, this guy is is a pervert behind the scenes. He's Harvey Weinstein. Uh, what I thought was really fishy and I'd never seen this before were these guaranteed minimums on the merch like that's not his he has no ability to properly estimate how well a merch drop is going to perform. That's something the creator might know from past experience. You can't just like look at someone's channel size and guess how well their integration will do because they could make a bad integration. You know, if you promise them uh, $5 million minimum in merch sales and uh, then they're like, oh, well, great. Well, that's what I'm getting no matter what. So I'm just going to kind of put the plug at the end of the video and do a bad job. And, you know, like you've you've already paid them, so they're not going to push very hard. You know, is that, that's that's it seems like something you would do if you were trying to attract a crown jewel to say we're working with this person and they're very happy, you know, like he did with Mr. Beast, I'm sure. So Mr. Beast has promised you're going to make five million. And then Mr. Beast has no incentive to actually sell five million in shirts. He just wants to get paid the five million. Yeah, it seems to me he was buying things that he didn't really need to buy or renting them rather just to impress certain clients like a Mr. Beast. So he rented the Ferrari that uh, that Stephen mentioned in his video. He rented that home, that mansion in LA. You know, so I can see how he's trying to acquire these assets or rent these assets to give himself, you know, an appearance of extraordinary wealth that he didn't actually have. Would you say that's fair, Stephen? 
Yeah. It was what it was like a multi a multifaceted uh, facade, though. So there's the image he's presenting of success. But then there's also to someone who's just numbers based. He's like, I'll give you five million if you let me handle your next merch drop. Right. And they're like, oh, that sounds good. OK, let's do sweaters or yeah, sweatshirts. You know what I mean? And then you attract, I mean, that is like the logic is like, I get this top creator and then he can attract more top creators. But by that point, Ryan was already working with the top creators in the world. So you don't actually mm -hmm. benefit that much from those kinds of minimum guarantees. And you have a lot to risk, like Nerd said, yeah. because you have no guarantee over what is going to happen. Um, I think, I think people at the top of their game, like, well, unless they're really lazy, like, are going to try to sell. Like, even if you have a guarantee, you're still going to try. But I do think it exposes the business to, like, huge risks that it has no need to take. Like, one thing I've always um, appreciated about a company like YouTube is they don't build on, like, hey, if you're a famous person, we'll give you a million dollars to come build on our platform. It's like you just get 55 or 45% split. Because whenever you do splits like that, it's just a very clear, you perform... We give you a cut. You know, I think those cuts always are how you build a sustainable business. You don't build it by like promising stupid amounts of money before they've done anything for you. Eh, that never yeah. makes sense. The top end of the incentive structure being guaranteed like ruins the incentive to do the job well, you know, right. or, to, or to do it to the, to, it puts all of the risk on the person uh, issuing the contract, you know. Well, to be honest, as far as we know, I mean, perhaps there has been something going on behind the scenes where YouTube has promised like a big mainstream media company, for example, we're going to boost you algorithmically if you start posting more on this platform. Yeah, and un unfortunately, they've cut like six figure, seven figure, eight figure checks for annoying top creators. That's already come out. Like Jake Paul has admitted getting a check from from YouTube. Uh, Lily Singh also came out and said she'd been cut a check from YouTube, but people like that. So they will do that when, when someone is, uh, when they're worried that they might start to pay attention to Snapchat or Instagram videos or something. They start to feel threatened. They'll cut them a big fat check, but that's. But don't you think the, the usual lesson from that kind of stuff is like, oh, that was dumb? I think the usual yes. lesson from that type of behavior is like, oh, that was a big mistake. Um, that actually didn't turn out to work for us, and we should stop doing that. Yeah, when um, it's used as PR, like Mixer paying uh, Ninja a ton of money works. just to sign. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's a better story when it's like Ninja made twelve million on Twitch because he's got this many subs and you can do the math and you see that's how popular he is and not they just paid him 12 million because they're trying to make a splash you know the uh that business model of merch fulfillment there's he it's like they skipped right to the hardest mode uh people who saw that uh the jeffree star shane dawson documentary and they saw that he was running what's it called like rocket or something that he's run, he's running this um uh, warehouse that was uh, handling merch for all of these top creators and they're keeping things in stock. That's the hardest mode. Uh, for t-shirts, you can just do print on demand or you can do, uh, you can take all the pre-orders and then fulfill everything that you've already been paid for. You know, like there's no way to lose money on that, <laughs> you know, but the, uh, the one where you're actually, you buy, okay, 2,000 smalls, 10,000 mediums, 20,000 larges, that, that's where you end up having to pay for, you know, picking and packing and storage fees for warehouses. And then you start spreading them all around the world instead of just having one company that you're shipping out from. It's like, it's a higher degree of difficulty and you can screw that up so much easier. You're exactly right, nerd. Actually, that's one of the ways 
that was another big moment in the revolt story that they lost a lot of money is they had done pre-sales all the way up till 20 late 21 or late 22 and some of the creators had started to get annoyed with that model so they started telling revolt well we've done a drop with you before so let's do another drop with you but this time you stock everything ahead of time and so they way mm. overestimated how much how many sales cuz covid like covid was the boom and then nobody expected the bust nobody the ever minecraft does minecraft numbers were insane yes <laughs> the minecrafters were and selling like insane levels of merch and so it was actually a minecrafter who did this drop and they lost like they had like 40,000 units of shirts that just didn't sell and so oh they had actually pre-made them yeah oh. yeah yeah they had like the, the idea was oh we'll pre-make these shirts um <laughs> and we'll pre-print them and then just nobody had any use for them um another actually in some cases they did a pre-order i know this one creator who his stuff still hasn't shipped out in many cases but he the warehouse called him and they said hey we've been sitting on your stuff it finally got here but nobody's paid us to like actually fulfill it so we're just if you cut us a check we'll fulfill your merch so he went back and cut he's never made money on his merch that he sold but he's cut them an additional check just to sh have them ship out the uh the merch that they that they created just to protect his reputation because when you when you yeah. uh yep you when you take uh, when a creator delegates a role like that to you, uh, they still are the reputational point man for if that merch doesn't come. They're not going to message some random merch company. They ping you and they're like, where's my shirt? You know, so people don't want to people definitely don't want to hear that. And there's a lot of trust that you're giving to a, a third party. Yeah, I understood why this guy wanted he, this guy was like anonymous, but he was like, I just I'd go public, but I want to solve this merch stuff. I want to get all my fans their merch before I explain what happened. Like basically solve the problem and then come forward. And I, th I thought that made a lot of sense. I think that's the right thing to do, you know, rather than say, oh, it's all Ryan's fault. Does anyone have an inkling of where this guy is? Like, what's he doing? Someone put a bounty out on Ryan P. You'll get like 20% of what he owes. No, it's not. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that. <laughs> you can we say can't that. Say that. There's no killing. There's never any killing, guys. That's the wrong way to look at it. <laughs> I'm willing to offer like a 20% bounty. <laughs> no, 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 we're not. not He's lying. It. He's lying. We'll never pay. Um, what I was curious about, curious about was what was the timeline of how this all unraveled? Because as I was watching the video, at first, it seemed like it started with uh, Anthony Padilla complaining about not being paid after two months. And that... That seems like, uh, hey, that happens. You know, in this industry, people will do 90-day invoices, 60 days. Sometimes you don't get paid for two months. So it was like, okay, so he, he called him out. He, he, hit, he hit him reputationally uh, for being unpaid. And then he tweeted out, oh, all good, after he got the check. But is that how it started, where people started being like, hey, where's my money? And, and the, the Ponzi scheme sort of unfolded? Or, or was it the nude the inappropriate text messages and the soliciting of photos that unraveled first for him uh well peckett did his allegation like early this year the original um, one the original allegation which yeah. by the way nerd to your point about like why doesn't you know you could play basically play chicken with ryan and go come forward first peckett did that and like nobody did anything i mean nobody had he wasn't kicked out of anything he was just he was still there People were still doing deals with them. Um, so, but it's like the first 
the first hit rarely sinks the ship, right? But it's like all of a sudden there's something on this guy. Uh, then, uh, like like you said, Anthony, people just start talking. And the thing is, is that even though Anthony's complaint was kind of, I actually don't know the details of the complaint, but from what I understand, more minor than other people. Uh, even though that was true, so many people had been kind of yanked around thinking that they're o the only one getting screwed that when somebody else says it, now it's like, wait a second, are you doing this to every, is, am I, you know, you keep telling me there's these very specific circumstances for why I'm not getting paid. But if nobody's getting paid, then obviously this is all not true. So I know from like people he was working directly, like managing directly, he had been basically screwing them since day one. I mean, they were always complaining about money they hadn't gotten. They were always complaining about, you know, um, stuff. And he would have wild explanations for like why they couldn't get paid. It's like, so-and-so did this to me. So I'm short out on this money. I'll pay you as soon as I get this. It was always some new reason for why he couldn't pay you. Um, but one person described it to me as like, he had a really good way of coming into these creators lives, like who are not business savvy. And he's like, I'll just take care of everything for you. I'll be like your dad. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll set up your, you don't even know you know, a lot of these streamers, they come in they're They haven't been to college. They haven't, they're just fresh out of high school. They're just, they're completely new to the fame thing. And so they barely are adults. And so he was just kind of like, I'll come in, I'll get a chef for us. I'll take care of everything. I'll take care of your I can book a limo. management. I'll, I'll, book, your I'll flights. book the limo. I'll book your flights. All you have to worry about is being famous and drinking and, you know, um, doing as much drugs, as many drugs as you want. And that's kind of appealing. That's the priority, the chef. You gotta have the chef. Gotta have that private chef. I mean, I don't know if you're joking, but like to a lot of people, it's like, wow, that's, I'm totally made it. I've, I don't have to, I don't have to cook. Somebody's gonna cook me good meals. I can just the work. The funny thing is, is most YouTubers will still just keep ordering Uber Eats where like they would actually save money if they got a private chef that they, cause they spend so much money on Uber Eats. Do YouTubers hold up the, the Uber Eats economy in their hand? Like I cannot believe how much some people yeah. spend on Uber Eats. It's insane. And the pick and mix bar, of course, you gotta have, you gotta have the sweet shop in the mansion. Gotta have that. That's a necessity. I, I know, I know you're joking about the Uber Eats thing, but I, I actually heard that when they would order Uber Eats, Ryan wouldn't just order like one thing. He'd order like the whole menu. And then he would be like, whatever we don't eat, we don't eat, whatever. Um, I think he just exuded this aura that said, you know, when you're with me, you're successful. Because I'm going to ball out. I'm going to spend a bunch of money we don't have. And I think that was intoxicating. And, and you know, people, it was easy to like not worry about the money because you're like, well, this guy has all the money. So, you know, I must get paid eventually because, you know, other big people are around him. So I think that floated him for a while, but um, as Nerd said, as like once one person comes forward, then everyone gets suspicious. Then somebody starts talking, 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 and eventually, you know, a story like this comes out. Reminds me of the way like Peter Thiel caused a bank run on SVB with like one tweet and it just cascades into everybody taking their money and it turns out there wasn't enough deposits to hold it up or uh, or like C CZ mentioning, uh, you know, questioning SBF's uh flywheel coin and then all of a sudden that starts everything in motion it's like what what was the tipping point for for his operation where it became like unrecoverable well the tipping point is when they didn't have enough money i mean like the whole thing is the whole thing is all these like like ponzi type things what you're describing is what reveals them is a crisis of confidence but mm -hmm. the problem is never the confidence the problem is the money they don't have the money 
But then what reveals it, what is always the precipitating factor is, yeah, eventually somebody, for some reason or another, cast doubt on the whole operation. And then, you know, it's always impossible to disentangle, like, who did it first? Was it the sexual allegations? Was it the I'm not getting paid that did it first? I, uh, I don't know. And once the confidence is gone in an operation like his, yep. there's nothing for him to sell anymore. You know, he couldn't recover he couldn't recover the missing funds by doing another merch drop and running it properly and then start to chip away and pay people back because in the end he doesn't have any of the attention he doesn't own the brands he can't fall back on a core thing that he could deliver on so if everybody pulls out he's got nothing the part that i can't believe is that some of the uh some of the money in the misfits accounts was actually used to like for some of the grooming and like for the, nudes. The, for the yeah that was the insane part the <laughs> that was expense on the paypal what are yeah. you doing you're expensing what you're ex literally I, okay i this hasn't come out yet right but um maybe it'll come out eventually maybe it won't i don't know i'm trying to you know we'll see but i there is a lot Jay, that shush. could still come Jay, out shush, let him answer i have seen a business document from the misfits okay like tax documents showing these are line items on the thing. So it's not just he paid with it. They actually used it on their, I know for a what fact. What are they, they coded as? Uh, just under the person's name. They're just like, as a contractor <laughs> payment. As a contractor payment. They're coded as a so contractor payment. Dude, on a literal tax document or like, like prep prepared by like a tax guy, literally used, coded under a contractor name, for nudes insane so the people who sold him the people who sold him like nude selfies in the shower have to report it on their taxes because he's like 1099ing them well and they're not paying it on it like that's the funny thing they're writing it off oh my god well the audit should get the money then <laughs> the inevitable what? audit but what country is it based in australia yeah australia i mean what audit i mean we there is no audit yet um mm. i hope the misfits do some type of uh like internal report that they eventually make externally, but I would be shocked if they did. I don't think they knew the full extent of what Ryan was, but I also think that at this point, they probably view this as mostly bad PR and like want to, I don't think they want to get to like the full truth of what happened. But I think at this point, they're the only ones who can because they're the ones who have access to all the documents. I mean, what happened with Revolt? Ask the Misfits Network because it was closely tied in. I mean, we don't know the full extent. And until they order some type of, you know, internal uh, audit or something, we won't know. And at this point, I don't know if they really have an appetite for that, which I think is unfortunate because I think I think people should find out. Yeah, especially since I love some of those Misfits guys. I know them. I speak to them like I've met them in person. So it would be a real shame if they're directly involved in some of these things. I don't. I, I don't, don't think, think they are. They I don't think directly. directly. I think maybe potentially indirectly. No. But if they have some information, then they should definitely come forward. And and I think I think importantly, what I know for sure is I think they could get to that information. I think they're some of the few players in this actual thing who could, if they wanted to, access the appropriate information. Because I think Fitz is on Revolt. He owns part of Revolt. Uh, the Misfits obviously oh, wow. own part of Misfits Network. So all those people have the power in some capacity of demanding the truth in terms of, you know, looking through the books, looking where the finances went 
and publicly like letting the people know sort of what the full truth of this was um, because we won't have Ryan's side. I mean, I so wish Ryan would talk, but I, I almost got him on the phone and then I think he's gone forever. Yeah, I saw that yeah. he ghosted you. Uh, next time you try to set up a call, just tell him like you're in the shower. <laughs> Be like, I yeah. can FaceTime you from the shower. Then he's there. He's right. He's knocking on your fucking door next second. <laughs> got to ask you you know my original question i think someone interrupted before but do you have any inkling as to where he is where he's hiding i don't i mean i heard somebody spotted him at the airport that could mean anything you could be going on vacation then i heard someone else is like i don't know it's just a bunch of rumor i i I don't want to muddy this up too much with like too much rumor somebody's like i think he's starting like a you know a food truck or something. I don't know if that's true. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I, I did hear that one as well. Yeah, we're probably talking to the same guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, ultimately, we don't know. I, I mean, the best I can hope for, I guess, at this point, short of misfits doing a proper internal investigation and coming to a conclusion on that, is that, um, or the authorities doing something, I guess, is that he just doesn't, work with any other creators so it's been a week since your video has another creator now reached out to you and said right share my information because obviously the the feedback has been incredibly positive a lot of people have seen this video it's resonated extremely well with others like has that encouraged any of these creators to come forward uh i don't want to shortchange anybody by saying no nobody's coming to mind there were a ton of creators that came to me behind the scenes and go Great job, buddy. I'm so happy you came out with this. And I'm like, yep. And they're like, well, obviously you understand. I can't come forward. But I just wanted to pat you on the back and say, what a good job you did. And I said, all right, yeah, thanks. That's a real shame. Um, That's a real shame. Okay, so imagine like you got to put yourself in their position, like maybe potentially, I don't know why he has so many fucking nudes of people. Let's say he does have something against them. He's got the docs and they're genuinely afraid of that. He's got this on everyone. How did he go about acquiring all this? I don't think he has everyone's everyone's nudes. I, I think I think, I think, think it's a combination of, you know, he's just got like, it's a combination of intimidated because you're worried about getting sued. It's a combination of not wanting the shame of, you know, I got screwed because I didn't include all the creators who worked with the misfits. I have like all the mis- the revolts internal documents of everyone they've ever worked with. And the list is insane. I mean, it's like it would have taken me forever to talk about every single creator's individual experience. But um, so a lot of people like who came forward, they weren't even in the video. So what benefit do they have of coming forward? It's like needlessly involve myself. Um and so, yeah, I mean, I think some people even like said a little bit like they like tested the waters. Some guys like, you know, screw Ryan P. Like, you know, that that's what he said or whatever. Another guy's like, you know, like, oh, Ryan was a master. Many people, they'll say stuff like that, but they don't want to, you know, get involved too publicly. I don't know. That's like cowardice to me. Like, why not? Especially since your video has been so well received. Everyone is on the creator's side against Ryan P. Why are they not coming forward unless he has this very significant thing against them? I don't understand it. I mean, I think it's like, uh, you know, you don't, you want to be with like kind of the flock, I think. And then also, you know, the mentions, the reasons we've mentioned. I think there's, I think creators uh, can be like, you know, like thinking like the benefit analysis and they're like, what do I really gain from coming forward? I think that's a lot of it. They might get their money back. They might get their money back. Maybe there's a chance of it. I think so. I'm always, 
it's so funny, like, because part of my job deals with business type people and part of my job deals with creator type people. And they're so different. I think somebody said earlier, I've never known a rich person to let money go. And that's so true of business people. But creators are happy to let millions of dollars go and they don't have any, because it's like, without YouTube, they would have never been rich. Like they're not, it, they just kind of stumbled into something that like makes a ton of money, but they aren't business savvy. And so they are willing to let unbelievable things just happen and go. Because this is exactly what I saw with the podcast scam was all these people got screwed, millions of dollars. They all are rich. They all can afford lawsuits. And to my knowledge, nobody's actually pursued anything. And so it's the exact, I mean, it's basically identical to what's going on now. There are a bunch of people who got scammed. They are all well-resourced. They all can sue this guy. But somehow nobody seems to. I can't explain it. All I can say is if these, if these were business people, these, this guy would have been sued like 7,000 times. Okay, well, what, what would you do in this situation? You're one of these people Ryan Pig has scammed. I'm screaming from the mountaintops. I'm telling everyone who can hear that this guy owes me money. Someone do something about this. I'll give you all the information, etc. I'm making my own videos. I'm making my own content about it. And I'm there in Australia searching for Ryan P to get him to give me the money that he fucking owes me. What are you doing? Think about the way that Oompaville handled his uh, candy disaster where he had hired a friend to... Uh, build out a candy business for him and and he'd promised that he was like setting up uh basically like an assembly line buying an expensive machine to make those um sour boys for him it turned out that was all smoke and mirrors and he'd lost all the money and so he had to start from scratch so the way oompa handled it is he was like look guys i got ripped off i lost a million on this but i'm still gonna do it so that kind of got the support of his community behind him for starting afresh. You know, I think you could do that with this, where you're like, I made a mistake. I trusted this guy to do this merch. Here was my vision for it, whether it was snow globes or pins or sweatshirts. And he didn't do fulfillment on that. Uh, I'm going to try to make this right. I'm going to do like a two for one merch drop or something. And I'm going to oversee this personally. Like you could make content out of it where people understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, totally. And to answer your question, clown, like, what would I do? Uh, yeah, I'd go, I'd go looking for it. I mean, at that point, I mean, if I had gotten screwed on that level, like it's at that point, it's kind of personal and I wouldn't go looking for them like that, but I would definitely see to it that I would see to it that if they're actually broke, if they're actually broke, they declare bankruptcy. Cause I think everyone at this point just thinks Ryan has nothing. They just think they have nothing, like there's nothing to squeeze here. And I think that's not true. I don't think you know that until a liquidator gets in there and squeezes them for everything. And then at that point, you know, they're broke, you know, whatever. There's only so much you can do there. I think I figured it out. So they, uh, there's a set of creators out here who have unfulfilled merch that they've taken prepayment for, and uh, they haven't resolved that yet. So if they draw attention to this, there's maybe $500,000 worth of merch that they have to do refunds on and they don't want to personally handle that. So they're trying not to remind people that they lost money on these shirts. Is that possible? It might be, it might be true. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the reasons that people didn't come forward are very human. And I just think I've seen this in other stories too. Um, I find that creators in general, people who are public facing are more skittish 
and aware of their own reputation and scared and live in more fear than the average public like or non-public person who goes, yeah, I don't care. Share my information. I want to burn this guy to the ground. Um, so usually my best like whistleblowers and tips are people who are not famous. It's actually quite rare for somebody who's well known to come forward and kind of like be like, look, I got scammed and here's what happened. I think that's the exception. So mm -hmm. I don't see anything out of the ordinary here. Um, not to give these people a pass, but at the same time, I just think it's very like, it's just what I've seen before. Because if there's any back and forth, then they could get swept up in the the ebb and flow of uh, of two sides of the story and they get lashed when the reply happens, you know, and maybe they're not sure. They don't know yet whether there's going to be a legitimate reply that uh, will make them seem like they had jumped the gun or that they were being manipulative themselves or something. We just had a I just watched a sort of a similar situation happen with Azzy and Sniper Wolf where. This, uh, this incident happened in public that like 10, 20 people saw well-known creators and none of them wanted to talk about it. None of them made content about it. And none of them, uh, although they'll confirm that it happened and they saw it, they don't want to be mentioned as witnesses. And, it, and I was taking that as, well, they don't normally make content that's like drama-based. So they, there was no format to use their platform to talk about it. And so they don't want to be mentioned in the back and forth of like tea community gossip, maybe. I think also like especially creators who get to a certain level, they feel like they have so much to lose. I don't know if you guys remember like when you're just getting started, you have no followers. There's this feeling of invincibility because you're like, I can do anything. I have no reputation to lose. I have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And that's actually when people are the best. Like when you're fearless, you often make your best work. Uh, I think there's something that's a bad thing, frankly, that happens when you get you gain a following because you're fearless. But then because you gain a following and you gain all the things that come with a following, you gain something to lose. Now you have a career, you've got money, you've got all these resources, and now you're fearful. Now you have something to lose. So it's all of a sudden you're conservative. You're trying to make sure that you don't step on anybody's toes. You don't want to get any unnecessary drama because you're afraid it's going to like screw up your career even if it's completely irrational you don't want to risk that so i think that's like at the heart of a lot of this is just um fear rational or otherwise of just like i have something good i don't want to mess it up if i don't have to get involved with some big drama i will not even if it's like you know not just drama it's like somebody committed a crime i just don't want to be involved yeah, like we watched the uh, the gradual change of H three H three content, where where he and Ela were throwing bombs and rocks from the outside at all type of creators and taking risks. And then once he had a podcast with employees who were sitting there, you know, on mic as well and with their own camera pointed at him, when he would make the same kind of jokes or start to be edgy, it would cut to them and they were like, oh. it's like he was gambling with their money. And so eventually he started. They you could see that Ethan started to feel a responsibility for like the operation he had set up. And so he started taking, t being safer, taking less risks, doing less of what he became famous for. Do you think that's true? I, I'm surprised you say that. I remember I went on um, something. I, I went on their show for something and they were talking about Ryan Kavanaugh and I couldn't believe mm -hmm. the risks he was taking with Ryan. He was saying some crazy <laughs> I literally, <laughs> right. it's, it's like, it's, it's, 
par partially my job to say, like, say things that are, you know, are in some ways, you know, exposing somebody. So there's always a legal risk in what I do. That's all I'm saying. So I am yeah. very well acquainted with, like, the boundaries of, um, or I try to be well acquainted with the boundaries of free speech and what you can say, what you can't, what you can get away with, what you can't. And I was shocked by, you know, how far he was willing to take it. So, and that was when they had the crew and stuff. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't follow their content regularly, so I, don't, I can't speak I think too much to that. There's like, there are two classes of risks. One that he became very uh, cavalier about and then the other not. So maybe there's the, I'm going to be sued personally for this versus this show is going to be canceled and we could be demonetized or banned or something if I do this. So the one thing he'd be, he's risking everybody else's income. And then the other, he felt a little bit invincible having won a lawsuit before, you know, like he got sued by bold guy and the community backed him and he beat the, you know, he beat the allegations essentially. So he, then he started getting ballsy about it and being like, sue me, Ryan, you go ahead, you sue me. I will call you all of these names. You know, I'm going to do all this stuff. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty nuts. He was calling him like, uh, you know, defamatory things. Is it possible, Stephen, that several people haven't come forward because they're still on very good terms with Ryan and they don't want to expose him because they're friends with him? No, I don't think that's true anymore. Um, I think there were some holdouts before the final allegations dropped. Right as I was coming into the story, there were people who were still working with him. But I think once the final allegations of like imp sexual impropriety came forward, I know some stuff happened behind the scenes as well with some of the creators that were on good terms with him. Like he betrayed some of them in a really deep way. Um, like the final people who still were working with him, he betrayed them at the very <laughs> end. Uh, so they, I mean, I don't think he has a single person in the creator space left, except maybe the guy he took a loan from who I, as far as I'm concerned, still likes him. I don't know. I, I that was confusing to me. Yeah. From what I've heard is pretty much every single person bar, maybe like one or two people have cut ties with him completely because he shafted everybody or a lot of them found out the severity of what happened, you know, not just the scamming, but the sexual stuff, like very late into the story. It was not um, just five people either, dude. I mean, I, I, oh, I know. The thing is, I'm, I, oh, no, no, because God, it's how can you have a number? Because there's always, you know, potentially people you don't know about, but I know of stories that I wasn't able to, like, you know, get some kind of anonymous or on the record statement about. And there are just so many. I mean, there there are um, – he messed up some people, dude, like really bad. Um, and I think a lot of people are carrying around that trauma. Like they can't even – also like I don't, I don't know. Um, I think one guy's like, yeah, he like robbed my like own sense of manliness and like my own sense of – you know, by doing that to me, there's so much shame. Um Anyway, like, yeah, super messed up. <laughs> so, so bad. It's, it was actually really tough for yeah. me to talk about, like, on my show. I was like, can I even, I'm not that guy. I'm just not that guy. Uh, yeah, mostly scam stuff. <laughs> I'm, scam, I'm finances, and I like it because it's clean. It's not clean, but it's like, it's not he said, she said. I get so concerned with. It's not sexual those abuse. Those, well, no, 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 no. Those type of allegations in particular often are a he said, she said type of situation where 
there's not much in the way of traces of you know the stuff there's just a story and you believe the story you don't believe the story but both people have a story in this case i felt a little bit more confident because there were so many independent stories they followed all the same mo and then there were literally the financial like the recurring thing yeah yeah and then there were financial transactions tied to it and like dms like finding the tra so that made me feel more like it's like more like a traditional story i can follow but um, I usually think it's always so dicey to go. I think it's you know important for people to chase down, but it's always such a huge risk when you start to platform those allegations because you're always concerned. Like, you know, how do I you how do you know for sure? You know, um, so getting that type of like corroborating evidence is really important to me. You found a guy who uh, it's a story where the power abuse was related to the business and also related to a fetish he had for convincing people to send nudes who otherwise weren't doing it or getting straight guys to allow him to be a voyeur while they were in the shower. You know, there, there's all all kinds of ways for you to get your, your kinks. There's no shortage of adult content out there on the internet or OnlyFans accounts. But if you're soliciting $900 uh, nude selfies from people, then that's about power. That's about you commissioning it and that exchange there's something there that he liked can i tell you something really creepy okay i haven't shared this anywhere else um and i don't think i will share it anywhere else all right this is totally this was i can't um this is like was told to me but i can't tell you guys by who but basically someone's like i was talking to someone about these allegations they're like yeah i had an experience with uh ryan where i had go I'd gone over to his house, basically. He, like, told me, like, oh, you can shower at my place, whatever. And so I get in the shower, and I was sure that the door was shut. But before I shut the, do shut the door, he's like, oh, the lock's broken. And I'm like, okay. And then when he got out of the – when he's in the shower, he notices, like, Ryan's, like, talking really loud on the phone outside, like, right outside. But he thinks nothing of it. He keeps, like – and Ryan keeps pacing back and forth outside. And then when he gets out of the shower, he just notices like, oh, the door's ajar. That's really strange. I didn't hear it even open. And then I heard from a separate person, they go, I, they're at a different house now. Now, not Ryan's house, somebody else's house, but it's Ryan had a, like a place there. And they said the lock was broken on that, that, that shower too, uh, or that uh, bathroom too. And I'm just like, dude, is this, is this guy like... I, I don't know because I, I can't I can't externally I'm just telling you guys this with the full context of hey these are just totally stories that I have no corroboration for but they were independent told to me but like is this guy the mastermind of all masterminds like what kind of psycho does that like yeah so broken. he wanted them to know they'd been observed that's why he left the door open that's so creepy though to or be he's like, like breaking the locks in all these houses just so he can snatch a peek yeah and then he wants them to know they've been seen because otherwise, they're like, why not just quietly close dude, the door dude, again? That was the most. <laughs> I, I when I heard that, I got shiver. Like I was like, this is the, like this is so scary. I feel like what person does this? What is this person capable of? Little pig, little pig, let me come in. <laughs> well, he's the pig, not the wolf. Yeah, it's the other he's way both. around. He's a pig wolf. He's a pig wolf. I think what's creepy about it, it's so premeditated. It's not like some like I can't resist or something like that. It's like you're premeditating doing this for long periods of time. You're planning it out. It's this whole thing.
Yeah, he definitely bought me Japanese dinner because he wanted to touch me. How much was dinner, by the way? I couldn't even tell you. He literally, like you said, ordered everything on the menu. I barely ate anything, and then the rest, I don't even know what happened to it. He took it in a piggy bag back home. Was I there, Colossal, or was this another one? I remember he's, I think he's gone, he does, he did so I can't many tell, dinners. I can't say it's who fine. was there, just in case. Okay. Especially since I think that there's some of these people who have asked to remain anonymous. But yeah, I would have been with those people and him himself. You didn't make the cut to get to get uh, molested. I just remember the pick a mix bar and I'm thinking that was absolutely insane. Like what, he literally had a pick, sweet explain shop Explain in the his pick house. a mix bar. Explain the pick, I don't know what a pick a mix bar. Okay, so you, in your video, you're sitting with the robot and the robot's behind the bar, so he's like the bartender, right? So imagine that, the bar behind the robot, but instead of like alcoholic beverages, it's sweets. It's confectionery <laughs> items. Every fat boy's dream, basically. <laughs> An entire sweet shop in his house. Like a room almost dedicated to it. Huh. Imagine that. That's weird. That reminds me of um, like a Michael Jackson, like something Michael Jackson would do or something like that. Right. Where you got like the Wonderland thing going on where you're like, I'm going to show you, you know, a great time. What I thought was weird is that you mentioned that there were fans of the misfits who he initiated these inappropriate DMs with. So it was also it was the employees, the stars of these shows, but then also just random people in the replies. That's my understanding. And some of it was like, yeah, some of the what's also weird is sometimes the fans of the misfits would come to the parties like which I think, um, you know, it's always strange when you get too close to your audience and uh i think this is a great example no, i'm not saying i i have a good idea of where that line is but i think this is a great example of where that can go awry because basically yeah like one of the guys is like yeah i like like the misfits and they invited me over and then all this stuff happened and um now yeah if if you're the misfits themselves like you've done nothing directly but it's like you kind of have to kind of how do you feel about that you know what i mean that's you basically brought that person to the door it wasn't ryan they didn't come for ryan they came for you um so that's really a kind of weird situation did that happen did someone come forward um mentioning that <sighs> um yeah i'm trying to remember the exact details uh but yeah i remember some some of the people involved were like were like that was like kind of the idea is in one way or another, they had been a fan of the Misfits. I liked it in the, in your video when you did the uh, the patented red bar zoom into uh, Ryan's face right after the comment by one of the Misfits about how you like to get people drunk, and he shot him a look like, you know, what are you getting at here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I love, was I love crazy, the crazy. By the way, dude, that moment, um, that edit is like insane because you we we. Um, the reaction was like exactly dead on of, you know, why are you talking Evil. about that? Then he wow. jumps to a completely other conversation. He completely changes the topic. Um, it's like, okay, so now we were at PAX and we were doing like some, some random story that has nothing to do with that thing. It was like, what do you stop? Stop. Why are you, mm -hmm. talk, why are you talking about that right now? Um, that was a, yeah, a really weird moment. And then like another thing, I don't think we ever use this, but. Um, there's this moment where he's like smoking a lot of weed or something. And somebody's like, 
how do you do this all the time? And he's like, oh, I'm just a sociopath. He was just really open about like, that's what he would call himself. Um, that was weird. He said that about himself. And then recharacterizing some of his like early comments. That's one thing we try to do because early on we established, okay, he's spending a lot of money. And then he says, oh, I'm spending money to spend it on other people. I love to spend money on other people. And you're like, oh, mm -hmm. well, as far as spending money goes, that's kind of a forgivable like foible. It's not okay, but it's like, well, you're not spending on yourself. You're spending on other people. It's all to help other people. And then in the second half of the video, we replay the same clip, but now the context has changed. Now you're finding out about all this like assault and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, you know, you figure out what's sort of going on. Um, so I think it's, I think it's always interesting to like look at interviews and stuff like that through like in a new light, like you first introduce it with one way and then you recontextualize it later once you find yeah. out more about the guy. You see that he was basically setting up this world as bait for people that he was taking advantage of, whether financially or or uh, hygienically <laughs> in the shower. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, um, it's really messed up. And yeah, to this day, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if anything's going to happen, like legally wise. I don't know sort of what the Australia's rules are. I'm very, I've only done one other story about an Australian guy scammed millions of dollars, tens of millions, and nothing happened to him. So I'm not exactly optimistic. I don't know what's going to happen. I also don't know the misfits appetite for pressing charges. I don't know any of the creators who are, hurt at their appetite for pressing charges either i don't know any of the people who got assaulted at their appetite for pressing charges but i just feel like some, sometimes in these cases it gets kind of depressing where you're like gosh this guy did all this bad stuff and then i don't want to say he's riding off into the sunset because it's not like he's got millions of dollars anymore or at least we don't think he does that we know of but it is kind of like well where are the consequences for these actions if you're in law enforcement and this is in your jurisdiction you, I would assume they would start to be getting pinged by, you know, their constituency or their coworkers or their boss and being like, why aren't you doing anything about this? Like, you see this, this is blowing up. This has got, this has got 5 million views. This is, why haven't we investigated this? There's victims in, in our, you know, purview here. Ryan just put in chat that a YouTuber called Mr. Bullen says he can't say anymore due to legal issues. So there must be at least one person pressing something against him. No, does that mean that to recover the, we don't we don't know we phones. don't know what that we don't know yeah, what that means true. it just says legal issues um it could just be him not wanting to say anything true yeah or he's been advised by his legal team or his lawyer uh not to say anything until this case has progressed it's also buys them time to f uh, figure out how to solve the fact that his reputation was put on the line and damaged by uh you know selling his own community yeah. merch that they didn't get yeah, a lot. I mean, you have to remember, like uh, these creators are victims. I mean, they they not only didn't make money, they sold their, they not only didn't make money from the operation. Many of them, a lot of them, their fans didn't even get the merch. So now they're also reputationally on the hook and got nothing out of it. So it's like a lose, yeah. lose, 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 lose. Um, so you know, my heart goes out to a lot of these people. They got royally screwed on what should have been like their biggest payday ever, um, like. And I, I know like one, one like top tier creator, it was like his first time making merch. He was so excited. And then 
from what I understand, they like made him the sample shirts. He promotes it, sells that super well. I don't even think they made ever the shirts. Like they just said they got, you know, thousands and thousands of orders and they just never did. <laughs> They're not even sure yeah. if they made the merch. If they did, where is it? They have no idea. Maybe it's given away to Salvation Army. We have no clue. Um, wild. Just I wild. think the way that I would solve this, if this happened exactly to me, is I would go, okay, I would have to basically open the books on what the margins are on these shirts, what the profit would have been, and be like, okay, so I'm, my reputation is on the hook because I, I made a mistake and I trusted this company and they screwed all of you guys over and screwed me over and I want to make it right. And, you know, the way to basically, to break even on this or, or to come close to this is I basically will do like a three for one deal. If you buy a shirt, I'll send you three shirts and I'm going to do the same. I'm going to be overseeing this personally. And that way you can, you know, people will know that you got ripped off. They got ripped off, but you want to make sure that, because at the end of the day, these people wanted to get shirts and they probably still do, you know, like when we have merch problems, uh, we'll offer a refund and nine times out of 10 people go, I just wanted the shirt. <laughs> like I still want that. Can I get that? You know? So like they, they don't want their money angrily. Most of them, most of them want that shirt. So if you can oversee it and make sure that you do the fulfillment, like I think maybe everybody ends up happy. Somebody should make a shirt that says I got scammed by revolt and all I got was this t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Great job, nerd. I'm glad to know my brain's so original. I still don't understand the logic of giving all those shirts, that merchandise, to the charity shops. I mean, even if you're not going to send them out to the right people, those shirts still have some kind of monetary value. Why give it away? Oh, that's a tax write-off. So like that, that's something businesses do so that they can write off the loss. Why not, instead of writing off the loss at the same time, find a way to sell those shirts and actually make some money from them? I don't understand. Well, the company doing the fulfillment had no rights to do it. They were just like a warehouse. So but they... they're already doing some shady things. Why not just do that on top of it? <laughs> so what I understand is like there were these holding warehouses where they're, they're going to do fulfillment for you. You pay them to stock your merch. And then when it gets ordered, you, you, you basically paid them to ship it out. Um, so Revolt would send the shirts, but they never gave them the money. They just didn't give them the money to like ship it out. So from what I understand is that company's now stuck with a bunch of merch they don't care about. And they're like, well, where's our money to, like they're, my only job is to hold this merch for you and send it out and fulfill it for you. If you're not gonna pay me, I'm just gonna eventually just give it away. Or in some cases, yeah. You're taking up shelf space that, that they nobody's are paying, paying to for. And warehouse. in some cases I know they even tried to reach out to creators to like give them their, they're like, hey, we'll ship this to your house. Um, that was one story I heard. Another one was they got in touch with the person. Like not all the companies had the same approach of just giving it away. I know some of it got just sent to charity. But um, one creator, they got told that I told you guys about that they're like, hey, we've got this. We're never paid to ship it. Do you want to pay us? We'll cut it, cut us a check and we'll gladly ship this out to your fans. Reminds me of those World Series t-shirts that are printed up in advance for like the uh, the losing team. And then they end up you know, being seen on third world kids, like running around, someone takes a photo and it's like, what? You know, like the, that team didn't win the Super Bowl that year or whatever. Like some kid's going to have like this uh, top quality merch uh, for some yeah. YouTuber and it'll be seen in the wild.
Well, speaking of things to spend your money on this year, how about ExpressVPN? I used to spend over $100 a month on streaming services. Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Prime, you name it. But since I started using ExpressVPN, I've been able to cut back and save so much money every month. Let me explain. See, all these streaming services like Netflix actually have thousands of more shows than you think. You just don't see them all because they give you different shows depending on your country. So what you see on Netflix here is completely different to what someone in Italy or South Korea sees. But using the ExpressVPN app, I can change my online location. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from. So every time I run out of stuff to watch, I just switch to another country to unlock new shows. Right now, I'm watching Breaking Bad. It's not on Netflix here, but with ExpressVPN, I just tap one button to change my country to United Kingdom, refresh the page, and it shows up. I don't need to pay extra for Apple TV or Prime just to watch it. And on top of that, I can even use ExpressVPN to get discounts. Some services cost less in other countries. For example, if you buy Netflix from Argentina, it costs a fraction of the price. At less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. It's a no-brainer. So if you want to get way more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com tbh. Don't forget to use my link so you can get three months. Absolutely. Absolutely free. That's expressvpn.com slash tbh. Expressvpn.com slash tbh. Visit expressvpn.com slash tbh to learn more. Coffee. So what happens there is uh, Colossal gets possessed with the spirit of capitalism. Can you just turn into a carnival barker at will? That was <laughs> yeah, stunning. It's a, it's a I, mean, mine. Was... I just flip a switch. Oh my gosh, what was that? That was crazy. Um, yeah. I we need like an like exorcist got, like, to take the, the, face the ad, ad read, read out of him at the end. Um, well, speaking of ads, here's a more personal question for you. Yeah. Why is it that you don't elect to do sponsors on your channel? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's... I've, And this is just a personal thing. I don't think there's anything morally um, wrong with it. I think it's kind of a... Uh, Depending a strange, on the sponsor. Yeah, depending on the sponsor, I think that's the thing. It's hard to tell in advance whether it's going to be a problem. And in my business of like uh, talking about scams, I think it's always weird when a lot of times what I'm calling out is a predatory product or you know device. It's weird to flip around and be talking about a product that does work. It's like being a guy who calls out bad stocks and then your job is to promote good stocks it just looks weird it's this yeah. huge conflict of interest so i like to remove any even if there is no conflict of interest there's an appearance of a conflict of interest so i like to remove that 100 percent from the equation and so i just say look no uh no sponsorships of like <clears throat> of anything like that the only thing i do is patreon to actually support the show um and then uh google will run ads but that's that's I can't control that. 
I, I told them a long time ago to stop putting yeah. get rich quick ads on my show, which is super annoying when they do that. But um, Oof. besides besides going into my AdSense settings and unchecking the whole like get rich ad, I'm not sure what else I can do there. But uh, but yeah, I, I just think it's like that. I also think I mean, this is just me. I think if you can go without the sponsor, if you have a different way of monetizing your content, I like it better. I mean, I always think that like the um, I think in a lot of cases you need to have a sponsorship to make it all worth it. But but um, I, I never am excited to hear an ad read. You know what I mean? Like I always think any type of monetization of your audience is always a necessary evil, but too much of it is just evil. Um, so it's like, it's like, it kind of gets in the way. It's always this friction point with you and your audience. You have to make money, but they're ultimately not there to just enrich you to, you know, put you in a mansion. They're there to get content. And, you know, a lot of times, uh, ads kind of interrupt that experience. That's why we have ad block. That's why everyone skips the ad read in the middle. Although I'm sure they didn't skip that ad read because that was... It's crazy. usually the most viewed section of the of the episode. I'm not surprised. You people timestamp it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that, so, so for me, that's just always been in kind of an easy decision. I'm fortunate enough to be able to make it. I mean, obviously, if I was doing a lot worse, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have the luxury to choose that. So it's kind of like a luxury I get to choose. I'm happy that I get to choose that. Um, but if I was in another line of work or I was doing a different type of video, I wouldn't feel any type of way. I don't think there's anything bad about um, taking sponsorships. I just think for my particular niche, it presents a weird dilemma that I can just sidestep by not doing it. I think that's fair enough. And I mean, I, I would slightly disagree with you in the sense that, okay, maybe if you're exposing a VPN that was corrupt and it was not doing all the things that it claimed it was doing, and it was a scam, a direct scam, and then you, you know, you sponsored ExpressVPN in the same video. Yeah, I would see a conflict of interest there. But if you're then promoting ExpressVPN in a standard video about Jake Paul or Logan Paul or whoever's scamming the latest cryptocurrency thing, you know, I don't see a problem with that. There's really no problem there. We're shilling reputable companies. There's nothing wrong with these companies. They offer a service. It's very black and white. There's no scam involved. I really don't see a problem there. But of course, like, to each his own on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't push my thoughts on this on anybody else, and I don't have any problem yeah. with what other people... Um, do with it and for me i don't even know it's not even so much like i personally feel um i think i might have said this but like it's to remove the appearance of a comp it's not to remove i don't feel a conflict of interest about it i don't think it would affect me but i think it's even just like to remove a critic's ability to be like you're just doing it because of that it's just you can just remove right. the problem altogether and I think I can also better the audience experience. Um, it doesn't vastly improve it, but I always, I just always like, like, have you, I don't know if you've ever like watched a show where they have two merch, re merch reads, they've got six mid rolls and they've got like, you know, a Patreon integration and they've got, you know, it's just too much. It's like, I, I, you're I hurting this, this relationship we have. A balance in all things, a yeah. balance in all things. And it's so, good to find a middle ground. Right. So I, I, I do well enough and I don't think you need to get greedy. I mean, I think actually everyone goes wrong when they get greedy. It's better to just be happy with what you got. And, you know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. 100 percent. It's a vector of attack, especially with the type of content that you're making. You know, people who 
feel uh, wronged or who lost money or who um, were ho- they were hoping to make money off of the scam that you're exposing, you know, like when you piss off the safe moon community, the victims of that, some of them turned their attention negatively towards you and thought that you were the problem. So then they would comb over all of the ways that you monetize and try to find hypocrisy. So any, you know, like any ad read you did for a company that's slightly shady, all of a sudden, all of what that company did would have been on you to have investigated and found, you know, it's, it's just, it's, uh, it's unreasonable. Like it's, if you don't have to take that risk, I guess it is good not to take it. Plus the, the nuance of, uh, you making content that is trying to do good or exposing something that's doing bad and then talking about a company that, you know, you can back. Uh, some people are just like, well, wait, I thought what you're saying is greed is bad. I thought you were saying that profit is bad. You know, that's what some people take out of it. And so anything they see you doing that makes too much money, they would think is like undermining the point you're making, you know, yeah. in, in, in sort of a reductive thinking. Well, yeah, you literally yeah. saw this with the completionist thing, right? Carl Jobst didn't monetize his first video, monetized the second and I guess third video. And people got a bunch of likes on Twitter dunking on him for for doing a like World of Tanks ad or something, whatever he did um, in the middle of his Carl Jobst expose. They're going, hey, he's just talking about this. He doesn't care about charity. He only wants to monetize and sell mobile games, guys. And look, I don't believe that's true. I don't think anyone here believes that's true. But did it get a ton of likes on Twitter? Because people were like, yeah, you know, it's just... It was just a criticism that even if it's untrue, rang like there was like it like for some people that rang as correct, even though it wasn't. Um, So, yeah, I think I think that's always like a challenge when you're making um, expose content is people. The truth is, it shouldn't be, though, like it absolutely shouldn't be. And that common perception is, is wrong. It's broken. Yes. Yes. People don't want investigative journalists to make any money they want them to die they want them to die as a martyr they don't want them to you know uh, like like you almost idolize it to the point of making it impossible to be that thing like when when i see edward snowden like you know a lot of people go oh he's such a hero yeah he is but do you think the message we're sending with edward snowden is they're going to be more edward snowdens no the message we're sending is don't get out of line. Otherwise, you're going to spend the rest of your life in Russia scraping together an existence. Like that's actually the message we're sending. We're not encouraging people to be whistleblowers. We're telling you, you got to get out of line. You tell on our government, we're going to punish you for the rest of your life and you'll be a fugitive from your own country. That's not helping. Yes, what he did was a courageous act. Sure, it was a self-sacrificing act. But is it helpful? No, it's not actually helpful the way we've treated him. So I think, how you treat your the people who like kind of come forward and stick their neck out will determine how many people stick their neck out in the future. And if you make it very difficult for people to make a living and to do well and to, um, what do you call it? Like live a good life based on actions that are risky. If you make that hard and you make that difficult and you make it impossible to do that, um, you're going to see less of it. And you're going to say journalism is dead. What happened to the good old journalists? It's like, yeah, you sent them to, you know, re- to be clear, Edward Snowden was not a journalist, uh, but he was a whistleblower. But um, you sent them to Russia or you told them they can't monetize or you can't, you know, that's 
That's the exact message we're sending, and it's a shame. People who aren't doing these self-serving actions and like benefiting society or in, in their own way are not really held to any standards at all, and they can make as much money as they like. But these people who are actually going out and doing really good things, like a charity worker, for example, the moment they start making any kind of money, that's frowned upon. How are they supposed to live? How are they supposed to support themselves? by not making money at the same time. They're instantly assuming that this person must be doing it pro bono, not getting paid a single penny. It's crazy that uh, that journalists are expected to basically be impoverished. So like people would not want to know, people would not want to think about how much money you were making. They kind of want you to barely scrape by and to not monetize too much. Is that, or they think that that morally doesn't fit. Meanwhile, on Wall Street, you have these uh, derogatory pieces coming out from short sellers who their entire business is to expose corruption within a company. And meanwhile, they just disclosed at the start, we are short this company. And then they cause the negative press themselves and profit like enormously off of it. And that's all legal. That's, you know, we thank them for doing it. Do you want to address one of the main criticisms of your content? We can cut this later if you so choose. But one okay. of the main criticisms that I've seen related to your content has not even been like the research side of things. It's the robot. This this inclusion of the robot and the skit that you do with the bartender <laughs> yeah. robot in your mm -hmm. content. I've seen a lot of people that dislike this and feel like it kind of cheapens the video, especially since you're talking about some very serious topics and exposing some very serious scams. How do you feel about those comments? Would you like to address that criticism in some way? Or do you just like disregard it entirely? Uh, what is... I'm not even sure I have like a good idea of... I've seen what you're talking about because there's like multiple... There's multiple prongs to it, right? Oh, yeah... Cause, cause I, I, I've heard, I've heard one criticism. One criticism is, I think it's cringe, which that's fine. I mean, I think um, anytime you try to kind of like uh, add a lot of production to something, you go against what YouTube is. Partly, YouTube is a platform of like just talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall the entire time. Anytime you try to immerse something in something that's not completely fourth wall breaking i'm not completely talking to the audience i think you risk coming off false but i think that i think like the robot and just having an in-world narrative is just a good way to immerse people in the story i mean that's i i don't think it goes much deeper than that i enjoy having like a rich narrative world and i think oftentimes the robot for me plays the audience like what I think the audience would be saying in that moment. And it's helpful for me because then I don't have to do the, like what I see YouTubers do a lot is like, what you're probably thinking to yourself right now is where's mm -hmm. this? Well, let me tell you. I just think like, I think there's just a more creative way to say that same thing. So I find it just a creative um, outlet for it. Uh, I'm, I'm not just one thing. I'm not just a journalist. I like virtual production. I like the whole like storytelling side of it. Um, so that's one piece. That's like the like, it's cringe accusation. Um, then it's like, oh, you should take this more seriously. And I don't really know what they like, like mean by that. Uh, do they mean? Let me read you a couple of the comments. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, and then you can yeah, read sure, the comments. Yeah, sure, sorry. One thing that just like drives me crazy is people go like, oh, like they like want journalists to stand up there and read it direct to camera, super boring, right? 
Then they don't watch that report. You know what they watch? They watch the commentator after it who dresses it up in a bunch of hyperbole, and they love that. So what ha the death of a lot of investigative journalism is the investigative journalist does all the work, right? They present this story, and they present it super bone dry, right? And then a bunch of commentators come swooping in like vultures and talk about the story. They dress uh, it up. Sensationalize it. They sensationalize it. And, and then everyone's like, oh, that's so great. And then the original piece gets no views. And so I'm like, look, let me just create a piece that tells this story with all the um, amount of interest that I truly believe it has. I think that the story I just told, like the, the Ryan P story has fireworks. I'm not exaggerating to create those fireworks, but I want to contextualize it within a world that feels gritty, that feels dystopian. I don't want to have to sit in front of, I think it's just as kind of forced to sit in front of like a, like a bedroom, you know, like, well, why is that any less different than, it's just a fake kind of authenticity. What I put together a bedroom set so you can feel like I'm being authentic to you. I just think that that like, <laughs> you know what set. I mean? Like, like you, I have a set bedroom so you can feel. So I think that's all like, it's like, that's not any more authentic than me trying to be creative. So anyway, all of this to say, um, I just try to do my work the best I can. I try to do the research right. I think ultimately what matters is, is the story true? Did I get the facts right? Did I talk to the people, try to get a uh, response for comment? And um, I think uh, if anything, like I love the world that I put together, I'm going to do more of it. I think a lot of people are invested in that world. I know I am. So uh, yeah, you, and I guess now you can read some comments if you want. I mean, you already really addressed that there, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'll read a couple of them just so we give other people's opinions here. Just for the record, before I even read them, it's not my opinion at all. You're making the effort there. You're bringing up the quality, and I think that can only be a good thing. And like you said, you know, you're adding more law to it. You're adding like more elements to the video. You're making it more than just a simple report, and I'm all for it. So just just for the record, but I'll read this comment here. It's from Reddit, which I already hold in pretty pretty low regard, but I'll yeah. read it. I'll be honest, I hate this robot gimmick. There's longer times between videos, which is fine if you're doing longer form content. But this robot and detective stuff takes up more time each video. I zone out during those parts, which means I don't follow or understand the heart of the matter. I didn't finish the video. To quote Dragnet, give me just the facts in the beginning. It can be stylized after a foundation of fact is laid down. And here's the other one. I feel like adding the robot is almost disrespectful. Like a coffee cover, super serious stuff, financial scams that destroy people's lives, and absolute scumbags of society. Well, here's a funny skit with a CGI robot. Well, not to say that there can't be any humor at all in his videos. His stuff has always been entertaining, but for me, the robot is somehow on the whole other plane of inappropriate. I yeah, get similar like, that's comments. Such a funny, that's such a funny. That's like such a funny thing to say. It's like. It's too ridiculous. I'm not saying it can't be a little bit ridiculous, but it's a little too ridiculous for my just, I'm just like, okay, I don't know. Um, to some extent, I feel like this video, like I've just noticed this anytime I have a video that um, exceeds the normal audience, then you see a bunch of criticism because it escapes like your normal context 
of people yes. who understand what the show is. So like I kind of always expect this anytime I'm going to release a video that is going to get some wider attention. And I kind of knew this would because it had a lot of big names. But um, you just you end up inserting yourself in front of a lot of people who haven't signed on to the thing that you're producing. So fair mm -hmm. enough. Like, I think that's totally fair. I don't think it's like right for people to insist you have to like the thing that I'm making. But um, but I think it's a consequence of like breaking out of your zone. You're going to take like backlash of people who don't get the content. Um, and I think that's regardless of what you do. This is why you see like people who are pissed off at Mr. Beast. It's like, why are they? How could you find something wrong with? charity right it's like no no you can if you get hit with it in the wrong context you don't know who this guy is you don't like you know uh this type of thing so yeah that's kind of my um general thoughts with that like content is like i find that my base of people who get the show like love what i do and then i find there's also some people who are like we didn't sign on for that and it's like yeah that's that's fine and um i don't know it's like the severity of the criticism you get on a YouTube video um, gets worse the more the bigger it escapes into a larger subreddit. So it's like it would start if it's on the CoffeeZilla subreddit, it's, you know, 90 percent praise, 10 uh, percent feedback. If it goes to the front page of our videos, all of a sudden it's like 60, 40. And if it makes the front page of our all now, it's like 50, 50 and half the people are typing, you know, 10,000 words to let you know everything you should be doing better. And they're yeah, not the ones who are invested in you. It's not even like it's like it's just like, hey, this isn't for me or this approach isn't for me. One thing I've also noticed that with Reddit particularly, which I actually like Reddit a lot, um, you the bigger you get, the more flack you take. Like Reddit loves an underdog and they hate somebody who is like, like somebody who's beloved actually like it's so not cool to praise that on uh, Reddit. It's like, it's like cooler to be like, you know what? I'm actually not okay with that. I'm actually, I yeah. think that sucks. So, um, you know, I think this is just, um, I had my day with Reddit where everyone on Reddit loved me. And I think the tide is shifting on that. Uh, and that's okay. Like, I think that that is inevitable. <laughs> Um, you can't, yeah, you can't have everyone like love you forever because l everyone loving you means you're on the come up and people haven't discovered you. And then once they have, I think, you know, even if Reddit one day loves me, I will always hate that fucking website and every single person who uses it. They should be shot in the street. Fuck Reddit. But yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough, Stephen. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, you make similar videos like this. I mean, lots of visuals, characters wondering about lots of lore to it. Would you have any advice for, for Stephen on how to improve or what is your overall opinion on the stuff he's currently doing in his videos? Well, I've, I've looked at the comments and people are like correctly praising the increase in production quality, like how each video tops the next. Like it, it is visually getting better and better. And uh, it's, but also I did notice that like for every person that says that where they're like, wow, this production quality is great. It's like one person is saying they're not so sure about the robot. And I think, I think I know what the problem is. And we, we talked about this before and I can, I can talk about it in a way that doesn't like mess with the lore or anything. Um, we experienced the same problem, Colossal and I with the J station video <clears throat> where we had, we shot some scenes that were 
an homage to True Detective. That's why the intro we uh, we used was True Detective based. And we shot stuff at a desk where we were talking to uh, lawyers that were in the same position uh, blocking wise that the robot would be. You know, we were looking over uh, like at the shoulder of an, an out of focus lawyer is how it was set up. And we played it back. You know, like we did our best with the performance in, in those and we watched it and we were like, this is this is OK. But we noticed that it was uh, the way you watch that as a viewer, all of a sudden you're being compared to Matthew McConaughey, you know, like you're being compared to an A-list actor and the type of flawless performance they would give. And, and at the end of the day, we're YouTubers. So when we are judged not on that first person connection looking into the camera, let me tell you what's going on and we're being judged against Hollywood acting, then uh, it's like a different standard that's impossible to do. So I had an, I had an idea for how, how you could integrate into the lore uh, something where the, maybe people would start to like the robot. So reveal to people that you are an interdimensional detective from the future. And this is why wait, you know, wait, everything wait. looks I don't like... Accept, I don't accept this premise that like people don't, don't like the robot. I don't, I don't, I do not accept that premise. One, number two, I'm like, I'm like, like a, some comments mentioned it, but I really don't believe, I think, I think one of the luxuries of getting big enough as a creator is like, you can just go chart your own course. So to some extent, I'm just like, I don't, I just want to create what I want. Um, and people can subscribe or they can not subscribe or like whatever. I, I, you know, that's to totally their prerogative. Um, but my thing, I do agree with you that one thing you said that is so true is that YouTube as a medium, um, if you put if you put low effort into it, you don't like that's fine. And then if you put medium effort into it, it's like, oh, you have high production. And then if you put high enough effort into it, people like start to like you said, they go, oh, this feels different. Now it feels like you're trying to be something. And I don't really like it's not good enough yet. And to me, I think I agree. I think, but, 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 but I will agree that like, like, I don't think my performances are, I'm, I'm in agreement. Like sometimes I'll watch something and I'm like, that was cringe, but am I sad I tried it? No, I'm going to keep trying it until I can figure it out. To me, it's fun. I mean, what I think is lame when, is when people stagnate, I'd way rather die trying and die cringe than then just go, okay, well, I'm just going to play it safe and I'm never going to try anything and I'm going to stagnate and I'm just going to just talk to the camera and we're going to be dry like this the entire time um, and I'll just talk to my audience like a fourth wall forever because I can't be any more creative than that. I think that mm -hmm. is way, I'd be way more afraid to do that than take a bunch of swings at the bat trying to push the meta of YouTube. Um, and some people will like it, some people won't and I don't think it's going to be 100% but like, at least I'm doing something. I don't know. Like, that's how I feel personally. And creatively, it. you're keeping yourself engaged and wanting to get up yes. in the morning. It's like the way that yes. you keep making your productions better and better, it keeps you interested. Like, you're yeah. not feeling like it's stale. And the people I care about, like, like the people, like, whose opinion, like, I really like, it's all, like, everybody who I respect, like, they just respect the swings of bat. They're just like, dude, you're going for it. And like, that's what everyone likes. Every creator I know, there's no creator I know that like respects you more for not trying. Like try hard is the way you get the respect of your peers. And I know it's the way, like it's what I respect other people for is like when you really go for it.
I mean, for example, like just with this podcast, some people don't like the way I do the ad read. They think I put too much effort into it. They think it's kind of cringe. And I'm just like, fuck you. I'm going to keep doing this exactly the same way I'm doing it. You've got your Patreon uh, users. Nobody has told you there that they don't like it. And you're not going to let these few comments by a few idiot Redditors dissuade you from continuing to use that robot and continuing to try and make your videos more dynamic and uh, more visually appealing. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that the, the comments are sourced from Reddit anyway, which is where the most outspoken worms live. Like, I don't know any creator's subreddit that hasn't turned overly negative against them as they've grown. Like, Pyrocynical subreddit fucking hates him. Cold One subreddit, like, 50-50. Like, the more, like you said, Coffee, the more attention you get, the more hate you'll get. And I assume the robot probably isn't even really mentioned on the YouTube comments. It's just... Redditors like to be outspoken and say what they believe is true. Well, no, I, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna lot. say like when, like the the reception on, on a video like that that get, got so big was so um, it's impossible to get any real feedback. Like part of the reason you kind of have to be like, look, I'm just gonna go by the beat of my own drum is because you will have 50 comments telling you they love the production and 50 comments telling you it's overrated. You should go back to when you were just a guy in a bedroom. Like, why do you need the you feel the need to dress this up so much um so you can get it both ways i mean there's like a bunch of comments which are like super that's why i said or i didn't mean to be rude nerd when i was like i don't agree with the premise i just don't because i've seen the comments that are like gosh i love how you i love this maxwell thing oh this maxwell thing has gotten better and it's like okay so there's positive comments there's negative comments it, it's impossible to get any real feedback you have to go by your own judgment of your own work and you Ultimately, like that's what being a creative is all about anyways, is you're just meant to like look at your own work, appraise it, try to do better the next time. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, the best you can hope for on Reddit is to is to um, die people being mixed on you. You know, that's the best you can hope for. People are <laughs> it's a mixed bag. I think cold ones obviously have the best. They they're crushing it. If if they're mixed, it's like that's right. I think if I had a criticism of your content, well it's not even a criticism, it's just something that I would like to see more of or you trying to do more is more comedy. Like I know you've got serious topics here, these big allegations and you're talking about genuine scams, but I would like to see more comedic elements. I think you, there's opportunities for jokes there that are being missed. Yeah, you're right. No, I think that's true. I think that's totally true. Actually, you know, when my, my videos were funnier when they didn't have such like polished scripts, I think this is one of the costs of scripting stuff is you lose a lot of just personally. I, I can't write jokes as like I always find that my jokes don't land when I write them. So I so I've just stopped trying to incorporate so many because I find they fall flatter when I write them and they feel truer when I riff them. So in general, this is like one of the reasons I want to um, do some content like not so scripted. And I think I just need to make another channel for it where I can riff slop a bit channel, more. Slop yeah, channel, slop channel. I think, I think the slop channel is coming. I'm going to follow in Pyro's footsteps. Um, <laughs> or a podcast, you know. Have you thought about creating a podcast? Yeah, I don't oh, you've know had I one. Would... I, yeah, I've had one. But like I've thought about starting a modern, like a real attempt. I mean, that was just kind of fun. We were just hanging out. Um, but I thought I'm talking like making a real attempt, building a set and stuff. I just don't know who I would do it with. I feel like you need a cool or cool co-host, maybe. Pyro's pretty good at showing up for podcasts. Take you Pyro should... off our hands. You can have him. Actually, that's the <laughs> meeting he's in right now as he's talking to yeah. my agent. <laughs> he sucks. 
<laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's like I feel like all the creators already have podcasts. I feel like I'm like the guy who was picked last. I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know if I have anybody who can. I'll do a podcast um, with. So you've already got a robot co-host. I mean, it's already built in. <laughs> yeah, just do the robot. Double down on that. I want to put some other characters in. I also want like YouTubers to come in world and be a part of the show. Uh, I don't know how to convince people to come like film in the green screen or whatever. Well, but... I do it, but I'm banned from the US, so I can't. You're very welcome to come to Mexico and we can film something if you want. Are you actually banned from, is that true? That's true, yeah. Oh, wow. It was child molestation. No. <laughs> you, can't say... you can't say that. But no, I, I think it's cool. Like, I am so, um, I think so many creators are like, just like leaving leaving opportunity on the table, not money-wise, because I think it doesn't actually make you any money. It costs you time. But I think it's so fun to have a in-world like stuff going on. I think like some of the best YouTubers had some, they even had like not even that deep of lore, but people love them for it. Even the most tiny, shallowest lore is more interesting than nothing. Um, so I always think it's like fun to to build that stuff out and it's interesting. And I just think like, when you're, as you're creating, it's like, what are you trying to do? Like, are, are you trying to push the meta in any way? And if you are, what do you, what's your goal? Um, I always think like you reach this certain level where you're like fine financially. And at that point, it's all house money. Like you just, you just want to creatively like experiment. I don't know. That's the way I think about it. Do you guys think about it that way? Yeah, if you are creative, that would be the mindset. A lot of people just see like dollar signs. How can I acquire more of these? But yeah, if you're a creative person like yourself, like nerd, yeah, you're not I... focusing on making more money. You're focusing on how can I make this content even better than it already is. Yeah, I think YouTube has too many business guys. Like, like uh, I, I think I think it could actually use more. And I don't mean business guys like savvy business because a lot of people are bad at business too. Uh, but but they're sort of like view YouTube as like a piggy bank. Like they're just like, oh, I'm just going to ride the train and I'm just going to try to maximize it. And unfortunately, I think when you maximize YouTube, you end up a content farm, um, which is just so lame. I mean, you just end up like exactly what you despised about traditional media at the same time i think there are far worse ways to make a living so if anyone is pursuing youtube and is making content on youtube purely for the for monetary gain then i really don't personally have a problem with that because you know at the end of the day they're making content that people enjoy it's a, it's a pretty good job to have i mean there's no it's a great, there's, no, it's a they're great not hurting anyone by doing but that i'm talking about people will make videos about how to make a thousand dollars a day and then they will outsource that to chat gpt outsource that the next the uh video editing to a video editing ai and they'll outsource the um the visuals to mid-journey i mean that's what i'm talking about i mean there is like whole there are levels to the content farm game and at the lowest level it's just like some real just like nonsense um have you guys seen those ai channels like they're taking off right now yeah and they kids love it. They yeah. love hearing this voice just ramble on about complete nonsense that doesn't even make any it's sense crazy. just because there's visuals on screen and text on screen. When I talk to people in a, a creative field like this where they reveal like privately in conversation or they admit it in content that they aren't taking joy in the act of creating that to them it's it's just like a it's a formula to make money and get attention. I always um that makes me like that's kind of like one of the spookiest things someone can say to me because then 
then now I'm looking for what are what exactly are you getting out of this? Is it is this a, a means to some other sort of end where where you are getting your joy in life? And and uh, I don't know what that is yet. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, like it makes a lot more sense to me that someone gets into YouTube if they like the fact that they need this entire talent stack to make the content and they like taking something that didn't exist and making it exist. If that to them is what's fun, that's what I find relatable. And when someone, when someone is saying that, no, they hate that. And they found a way to just like make that as uh, to make that as easy and delegate that to as many different people as possible to where all they have to do is like show up, read the lines and walk out. Then I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> what are you doing for fun? <laughs> yeah. I, I see Colossal's point on this where like, I, I relate to you about this nerd and I kind of feel the same way you do, but I see Colossal's point where he's like, you know, a lot of these uh, people who are doing this, a lot of them are making content that like at least entertains somebody or something. I, I can see where it gets toxic, where it like descends to the lowest common denominator of just like outsourcing it to chat GPT. I mean, that's the end game of a fully optimized YouTube channel. It's just like you don't touch anything. It's pure slop. There's no effort, no creativity, no soul in it. Um, but I think along that gradient is like all sorts of people, you, you know what I mean? I don't know. I think where it can get damaging, like really damaging is if they're talking about a serious topic and because they've rushed this video and they haven't researched it properly, they're getting facts wrong. And this very gullible audience, often young and impressionable kids are lapping it up and they're believing what this person is saying, which is the incorrect information purely because they have rushed out this content to be the first to talk about this trending topic. That's the damaging side to it. Yeah, people are like, people are like we want to take your channel and just make something different. And all I can think of is like, go make your own channel. If you mm -hmm. want to do something different, just, you know, you make the content. It's fine. I'll watch. So what's next? Because we're coming to the end of the podcast. What's next in the pipeline for the CoffeeZilla channel? We've talked a little bit about the second channel, the third channel yeah. coming up. But what's um, the next big topic? What are you actively pursuing at the moment in the works? So I've got some, uh, I, I like to do a mix of like, you know, celebrity scam investigations and then more like hardcore, just like investigations about, you know, regular business fraud. So I've got, I'm, I'm thinking of working with a few um, like other whistleblower type orgs that like do what I do. Um, and then I'm trying to launch like possibly a second channel. Uh, but I, I like to do a big story and then just kind of disappear. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do. Just like disappear for a while and take some time for myself uh, to think, regroup. Because I do all the research myself. So it's like a lot. I mean, I I keep it all in my head. So, so I have to like, while I'm working on something, I can't have another topic. It's very rare that I can like multitask. So mm. I haven't thought about anything but Ryan P for, you know, months. Uh, so I, you know, mentally I'm taking a break and then I will be back at it, you know, soon. And worst case scenario is like when you've pulled an all nighter or two in a row to finish the edit and you're, you're racing it out and you get it done and then you put it up and you've now changed the narrative with your contribution to the story and you need to stay awake and start replying to things unfolding in real time on Twitter, right? Like the story changes, the person responds and it's like, you know, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Yeah, no, these things can go. Yeah, you know exactly, nerd. Like, like these things can go on and on and on. Um, yeah, I actually this video in particular, I'm kind of surprised by how little happened. 
afterwards. I was kind of waiting for, I was like waiting for, oh, they're going to respond. Oh, all these creators are going to come out. Oh, what are the misfits going to say? It's like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> it's an extremely effective tactic to say absolutely nothing at all to remain silent and sweep it all under the carpet. Very, very effective. Oftentimes, even, you know, the most effective method. And on the other end of the spectrum, from just completely ignoring the criticism, you have the Logan Paul, the uh, the larger channel that dresses up as you all of a sudden and seems to be shooting some sort of meme that looks like you. It's like that. OK, now we're in a we're sparring at this point. You know, a multi part video is in the works, that kind of thing. Yeah, I hope you'll get to make another not that it's a good thing, but I hope there'll be a chance to make a second video on the Ryan P stuff as in like, I hope, you know, people come forward, stuff is pushed legally and there's more, you know, I hope something happens is what I'm pretty much saying. Cause you've heard similar stuff to what I've heard, you know, like rumors that we, you can't push as fact victims that it's their story to tell, you know, it's not our place to put this forward to people to know, you know, there's lots of stuff that can still come out. And I hope that does come out if what, is said is true about Ryan. I agree. Yeah. Like I agree. Once again, Dolan. you've done work that uh, could be used in a court case and very likely might be. So the, the degree of uh, accuracy that you have to have and the responsibility to, you know, to uh, be fair to everyone that you're mentioning and not to create any unnecessary entanglements is uh, it's a really difficult um, standard when you compare that to just the person who scoops up the uh, the fact that you made the allegations and then repackages them and moves on and does that in one day, it's like you you really you have the this mix of like being law enforcement, a journalist, and an entertainer, and it's uh I respect how well you've done that and how you've managed to you know your your reputation for for honesty and accuracy is only increasing. And people are starting to think of you more and more as like a YouTube's Batman or, you know, like an Elliot Ness or something where you're willing to go up against the mobsters of crypto and YouTube and the influencer space. And you know, these are people that have a lot of resources who other people are intimidated into silence. You know, how do we start this podcast? We we're talking about why is everyone afraid to talk about this Ryan guy? Because he gives off an air of intimidation. And that's probably the least scary guy who you've called out. You know, you're going up against people who, you know, they, they've stolen so much money and they've made inroads with organized crime and your, your safety, your physical safety is actually at risk. And, uh, you know, people will want to get revenge against you. So uh, I, I, respect the, I respect the risks you take and how well you've pulled it off and the, you know, very few stumbles you've ever made content wise like it's it's near, nearly flawless performance well thank you i have to respond to that because you, you said too many nice things um and then too many untrue things too so I, I first of all i'm i'm not law enforcement at all i don't pretend to be but uh they have their own He's their batman. own level of you know work that they have to do but uh um, batman I, confirmed i also want to say i you know I love I love people's perception of things, and I love that you know people are so nice about it. And the, honestly, the the support has been so overwhelming. But um, you know, I want to say, as we talked about earlier, like just um, it's obvious to you guys, but just for the audience, like like just don't put anything I do like on a pedestal because for sure I'm just a dude. I'm just making content. I'm trying my best to get things right, but inevitably I will mess up, and I don't 
want to have set myself up on this impossible standard of, you know, like, ah, oh, he's always right. You know what? It's it's important people have realistic understandings of who 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 I am. Um, yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the podcast. Appreciate the chance to talk about all this stuff. You can find CoffeeZilla on his YouTube channel, CoffeeZilla, and uh, support him on Patreon. He doesn't do any sponsors of any kind, unlike us, who do probably too many. So you'll find him on his Patreon. Go support him. $5 a month, right? Uh, $5? Is that right? That's right. That's right. Just $5 a month and you'll get quite a few things. I mean, explain some of the things that you're giving away on your Patreon, all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Scrolls by really fast. Wait, I, don't need to, I, don't know, I don't need to do a push. But <laughs> Shill, shill, shill. Fine, I'm <laughs> shilling ours <laughs> then. <laughs> Subscribe <laughs> to our fucking Patreon instead. Just five dollars <laughs> a month, you get so many be, different gonna... things. Exclusive <laughs> behind the scenes episodes that we never release on YouTube. Exclusive, exclusive to the Patreon. Plus, you get them slightly earlier. You'll get this episode about Just two hang and a half up hours anytime, earlier, coffee. potentially. Just disconnect. And you get, we've got an amazing Discord server with so many things going on. You can get timed out and we've cost you money just for, just for pinging me on, on Discord and things like that. You'll also never interact with Pyrocynical, the whole reason you joined the Patreon in the first place. Because he's never fucking there. He's never even here on this podcast. But subscribe anyway, $5 a month. It's well worth your money. Yeah, we'll just flip to a barcode for that part of coffee, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh thank you Stephen, for coming on we really oh, do appreciate course. it yeah thanks for coming on i'll see you guys later